Hey everyone, and welcome to the Uncorked Corner podcast, where we cover the full spread of food and beverage industry topics. My name is Bianca, PR and marketing professional by day and food and wine connoisseur by night. And my name is Nick, an accountant with a passion for barbecue, beer, and whiskey. Today, we welcome Spencer Mahoney. Spencer is general manager of roasting operations at Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. Not only is Atomic the very first coffee company on the podcast, they're also one of my local favorites. From ground to bag, Spencer gives us the scoop on the coffee roasting process, their foray into the canned cold brew game, and even some tips on brewing the best coffee at home. All right, everybody, let's get into the podcast. So welcome, Spencer. So we'll start by just having you introduce yourself to the audience, you know, give us your background in coffee, the industry, how you got into it. Cool. Yeah, my name is Spencer Mahoney. I'm the general manager of roasting at Atomic Coffee Roasters in Salem. Um, Atomic is a family business uh, in my family. And so it was started by uh, my two uncles in the late 90s. Um, and I, my background in coffee, I basically worked at one of the cafes, uh, when I was in high school and into college. And then I kind of did some other stuff, um, and came back to it, uh, two years ago now, um, originally in more of a marketing position. And then, um, like all small businesses, kind of one thing led to another. And then, you know, a year later, I'm, I'm more in a production, uh, general manager type of a uh, situation here, uh, while also still helping with marketing. Um, but I've got to learn a lot, uh, really quickly. Um, and coffee, something that I love and I love the, uh, kind of going deeper in, in knowledge all the time. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a quick snapshot, I guess. Awesome. Can you tell us about the history of Atomic and the cafes that you do have? And you know, what was the idea behind it in the beginning? I know it's from your family. So that's really, really cool. So we'd love to hear more about like that history. Sure. Yeah. So Atomic was started in uh, the late nineties by my two uncles uh, originally as a cafe on Cabot street in Beverly um, that grew to a couple of different cafes uh, in Marblehead and Newburyport and started uh, roasting coffee at one point in the front of the shop in Beverly. Um, and since then we have expanded, uh, in sense of roasting and wholesaling coffee and our capabilities and making cold brew and, and stuff like that. Um, we're down to just the, uh, the flagship cafe in Beverly um, from when we were at three at one point, but our focus is way more on uh, supplying coffee to our different wholesale partners and direct to consumer and, um, and cold brew and like kegs and cans and stuff like that. That cafe is my favorite. I used to go all the time when I was at, I went to Endicott, so it was down, oh, <laughs> down the street. <laughs> yeah. And we actually had, we actually had a, a cold brew on tap at Endicott for a little while last year. This oh, past that's awesome. Until, until COVID happened. Yeah. I wish they had it when I was there. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it was, I guess it was just down the street. Nice. So do you want to start by uh, taking us through the coffee roasting process? Yeah. Um, you want to start like at origin or you want to yep. start at the roastery? Yeah, we'll start with sourcing the beans. Let's see. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I got the opportunity to go to Costa Rica and to a coffee farm in February uh, with one of our partners that we uh, source coffee from. Um, 
And I think what's really interesting to me about coffee is that it's like one of the most popular, um, I don't want to say drugs, but one of the most popular things that people like have a, have a daily habit uh, regarding, but don't really know a whole lot about, you know, what it is and where it comes from or, or what roasting is or anything like that. Um, so essentially coffee is a seed, uh, not a bean of a, um, of a plant and it comes in a cherry, um, kind of a berry like fruit. Uh, and then when it's time for harvest, um, the cherries are picked off the plant and then there are different, um, processes to get the seed basically out of the fruit. Um, and those processes can kind of lend itself to how the coffee ends up tasting um, after it's roasted. Um, and so it is um, gone through a process where it goes from the cherry to basically a, a dried out seed as we know it when it comes into the roastery um, and the farmer or um, mill that it's processed at will export it um, in burlap bags usually um, on cargo ships and they'll come across the world to basically a uh, warehouse or wherever they're being sent to um, and then they show up at our roastery and I don't know if you've ever seen what coffee looks like before it's roasted but it's kind of like a um, it, I mean it looks it looks more like a seed it's kind of green or, or tan um, and then essentially when you roast coffee, it's basically like a, um, it's kind of like a giant oven, I guess, for lack of a better term, that has a barrel that's constantly spinning. So you get the, bar uh, the roaster to a certain temperature and then you drop the coffee in the top. It goes into a barrel that's constantly rotating so that the uh, seeds inside aren't um, sticking to the edge and burning. Um, and then you've got basically time and temperature are the things that you're controlling. So you have a, a lever that's basically like a, um, you know, adjusting flame on your uh, oven at home or your stove top at home. Uh, and so when you roast a new coffee, you're basically finding like the right recipe, like the duration that you want to roast it for and all these different things lend itself to how the coffee actually um, tastes at the end. Uh, so when you have a new coffee, you're basically developing that recipe. And then once you figure out how you want to roast it moving forward, you put that coffee into, you know, more production roasts, like you have the recipe and now you're just following the recipe. So then you're using that, um, you know, lever for back of, lack of a better term to just basically give it more flame, give it less flame to basically stick to the recipe until it's at the uh, right temperature and time that you want it to be. Um, then you drop it from the roaster into a cooling bin and, and basically it's just constantly rotating the beans so that um, it doesn't roast any much past that point. Um, and that is a, the absolute quickest way that I can explain from origin to, you know, it's about to go in a bag and be shipped to your house. Awesome. So with the shipping from origin, yeah. you mentioned burlap bags. Is there any reason for that? I know that's kind mm -hmm. of the iconic, you know, coffee bean bag what's the story behind that you know so so as far as i know um it was actually a, most coffee used to originally come in uh jute bags which looks looks kind of like burlap but the material is a little bit more like coarse or hard um and coffee from colombia still comes in jute bags um but the the reason it used to be jute is because basically the farmers would grow coffee and they would also grow jute and then they would basically dry. I don't know what the process is for 
jute growing, but basically they would use that jute that they're growing on their farm to be able to actually make the bags and send it and basically be self-sufficient in that way. And now um, that has kind of gone away, like I said, except for really in Colombia because um, they would just rather use that space to grow more coffee than to grow something that you know, they can buy burlap bags for a lot cheaper. So burlap specifically, I'm not exactly sure, but, um, but as far as I know, you know, that's, that's how it ended up originating in like a 150, 130 pound bag and to what it is today, you know? Got it. I didn't know if it would give it a certain flavor or something that's just yeah. tradition. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And like a lot of copies too, like some will come in just burlap and then some will come in uh, what's called a grain pro bag that is basically like a liner that comes in the, in the burlap and that keeps the coffee fresh into like a certain moisture content. Got it. So on that flavor, when you're yeah. going through the roasting process, what goes into what gives certain coffees and certain obbies their flavor after they're, you know, once they're in your cup? So what makes some more fruity, some more chocolatey? Yep. Um, uh, it, it, it definitely, it's definitely a bunch of factors, but it's where the coffee's coming from. So the origin, the country, the elevation it's grown at, and then like the varietals. Um, so that's the stuff that like really makes up the coffee um, in the beginning. And then the way that they process that. So like there's a difference between like, I would say 98% of coffee is washed process, which basically is the most common way and it's um, really just a way that they're taking the seed out from the cherry uh, versus and they're using water to do that um, versus a natural process they actually take the cherries they um, and they sun dry them so that the seed is actually like inside the cherry in the sun and then it basically will give a lot of like fruit flavors to the actual coffee um, so like we have a really nice coffee right now um, from Ethiopia that is a natural process. Um, those are tend to be my favorite coffees. Um, they just like have a lot of fruity notes and some nice acidity. Um, and I think that simple, I think I simple summer was one of the coffees I gave you guys to try out as well. That's a mix of two coffees from Ethiopia, one that's a natural and then one that's a wash. So you kind of get like best of both worlds. Um, but then basically that's like, that's, those are the things that affect it when it gets to the roastery. And then as a roaster, you look at these, um, you, you look at where it's from, you look at um, the way that it's processed, and then you kind of decide like, okay, I want to, uh, you know, make this a little bit of a shorter roast. I want to develop this coffee longer. And you kind of like see what you're working with and then decide like what you're going to do to it to bring out certain flavors. Awesome. And you have both hot and cold brewed coffees. And I've, I've purchased the beans myself to make in our coffee pot. Um, and yeah. I'm very much like a black coffee drinker, just hot coffee all the time. Sure. So I don't really do a lot of iced coffees, but you did provide us with the nitro cold brew and the other cold brew and yep. both, I love both of them. I've been drinking them every day cause it's been cool. so hot. Um, yeah. <laughs> why did you guys get into making the cold brews? Is that something that you started more recently? Um, I would say um, in infancy, probably like three or four years ago, my uncle was um, pretty ahead of the time in terms of like, obviously now you see cold brew at Starbucks and you see it at Dunkin' Donuts. And um, I thought he had a, he had a pretty good like jump in on it when it was 
uh, pretty early on. And we originally just started making it for the cafe itself. And we really wanted to be able to pour cold brew on tap at the cafe. Um, so figured out a way that we could brew, you know, in larger batches, be able to put into kegs and be able to pour on tap. Um, that led to, you know, trying to be able to do that for other cafes and restaurants um, and kind of share the wealth. Uh, and fast forward to now, that's a big part of our business. Um, we roast coffee in Salem, but we opened up a new facility in Danvers that um, if you walked into essentially looks like a beer brewery. It's got, um, you know, a lot of big stainless steel tanks. Uh, we have a canning line to be able to can our own cold brew. Um, so that has become a big part of our business. Um, and we, yeah, we distribute kegs to, you know, cafes as well as like offices, I guess not so much right now with nobody having to go into offices. Um, but, but yeah, and uh, so canning and kegging has, has become a big part of what we do. Is that mainly in Massachusetts that you distribute those to, or is it, you know, whole region? Yeah, it's, that's mainly Massachusetts. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we have more distribution for, for beans than we do for cold brew. Our, our cold brew, you have to uh, keep refrigerated um, because I just, I don't see the point of, uh, you know, cold brewing something for 24 hours, then to just heat it up to 200 degrees and pasteurize it so that it can sit on a shelf. Um, so it has to stay refrigerated. So yeah, that, that makes distribution a little bit more challenging. Um, so we're pretty much sticking to Massachusetts at the moment. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I have a Ninja Brewer. I'm on my second cup today. I've got the single, the simple summer and the yeah. Colombian single origin that I've been drinking. Uh, for people that want to taste those beans, make them themselves at home. What do you think is the best method to do that? Um, the reason that I, the, I think one thing I would say is the reason I love coffee is that like you can drink it so many different ways and you can get as deep into it or as not as you would like. Um, so, you know, you have a Ninja Brewer um, and you can, you know, make a great cup of coffee that you're going to enjoy on that. Or you could, you know, get more into manual brew methods uh, if you want to like really see like what effect like different grind sizes and different amounts of water and things like that are going to actually do to the cup. Um, I would say, you know, like I haven't known about coffee forever. Like when I when I came back to Atomic two years ago, like I, um, I would make coffee in a French press um, or on a drip brewer, and that's about where my knowledge was. And I was spoiled at the time because I was, I was buying or not buying. My mom also has a, a different cafe aside from Atomic that's in Marblehead. And I would uh, get coffee there every morning. So I was like, all right, I need, I need some way to brew coffee in the morning so I can be, you know, trying different coffees and start my day that way. And I looked to see if I was going to buy a, a manual brewer or go for like a Chemex or something like that. And I was like, I don't know, I want to commit every morning to a manual brew method when I don't know anything about it yet, um, which I think in retrospect was a good choice. Um, so I would say start, you know, easier. Um, I think one tool that uh, would up your coffee game for sure is a grinder if possible. Uh, Grinding your coffee right before you brew it is definitely preferable instead of buying it ground ahead of time uh, because really the things that make coffee less um, potent, I guess, I, I don't know what the word is there, but coffee doesn't go bad. It just loses flavor, right? So um, the things to 
to make sure that you're getting the most out of that coffee is um, making sure to grind it right ahead of time because air um, will kind of stale your coffee a little bit. Um, so getting a grinder and especially a burr grinder, it's B-U-R-R. Um, that's instead of like a, if you, if you think of a grinder that kind of looks like a blender, that's just like swirling around and like cutting the beans up. Um, you know, that's a good first step, I guess, but it, there's no real way to see that like all of the coffee is grinding to one grind size with that versus a burr grinder. You'll get a nice even amount of uh, coarseness with your coffee. So then you can, um, you know, make sure that you're getting kind of the most dialed in cup. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I've, I, I personally have found through my experiences that grinding my own coffee gives it so much more flavor. So that's so true. And I wish I had known that sooner, but I just, just discovered that in the past year. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it definitely is something that I, I think everybody should try, and especially going from like a K-cup style pod to that makes a huge difference. I mean, uh, I, would, I, would, I would take pre-ground over K-cup, but now we're working in the right direction towards the <laughs> <laughs> so of the products that you do have and the blends that you do have how many do you have on the market now and what is your selection looking like uh we typically have like probably like 15 offerings uh 12 to 15 offerings for whole bean coffee at a time uh with the majority of them being staples that we have all the time um and then we usually do two to three like limited release coffees um, as of this week, we actually have four limited release coffees, which is making it even more fun. Um, but those are, those are really like the, the passion project kind of stuff. Those are where we get to be constantly like sourcing new coffees from different countries that seem interesting or the processing seems interesting or based on the time of year, like, uh, we're just tasting our first Kenya yesterday, which is like a very distinctive, um, origin and, and lends itself to a distinct cup of coffee. So that's where like uh, a lot of the excitement for me as a roaster comes into play um, is, you know, constantly be, constantly being able to try new coffees and, um, and be able to release them. Um, so yeah, so we have a good amount of coffees that we sell through our website. And then obviously, as you look at like different channels of where we're selling them, um, they get a little bit more limited based on like what the what the store is and what the cafe is and things like that. Um, and then in terms of cold brew, we just have those two cans right now that I, that I let you guys try. We have an original still cold brew that goes really well over ice. And then we have a nitro cold brew that is best served uh, on its own and has a really nice cascade and uh, kind of mouthfeel over the normal cold brew. Is there a region that you find your favorite coffees are from? Um, I would say, yeah, I, I, I tend to like coffees from Ethiopia, I would say would be my favorite. And uh, Ethiopia is actually the birthplace of coffee. If you didn't know that as well, that's like where the plant originated from. Very cool. Yeah. Do you have any best sellers, uh, rotating bl coffee blends that you have always ready to go? Uh, yeah, I would say that our staple like best sellers, um, are uh blends always sell more um than single origins it's just a wider um audience that that's what they are looking for and, and are more palatable um and with blends you can keep 
coffees kind of rotating within those blends and staying fresh all year round, but also keeping the same kind of a, a profile. Uh, and so I would say our staples are really Rocketeer blend is like our medium um, and black velvet is kind of like a medium dark. And then diesel is kind of the darkest that we go. Um, and those have probably been on our, um, on our offering sheet, I would say for definitely since, definitely since we, I would say since we've been roasting maybe like 10 years or something. And so if you, if you've gone into the cafe in the last decade, I'm, I'm sure you probably had a cup of Rocketeer at some point. So to get into the tasting of the coffees that we have yes. here, yep. um, I know Nick brewed up the two, what did you say, Nick, the su Simple Summer and the Columbia? Yep, Simple Summer and Columbia. And I have the cold brews. So um, we'll go into the tasting those. Nick, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so this morning I started my day with the Simple Summer. Yep. Uh, my girlfriend had a cup too. We both immediately noticed the, that kind of fruitiness, that summery, you know, definitely an awesome summer coffee. Uh, yep. And now I'm drinking right now the Columbia, which is, seems to be from the coffees that I've had more of my favorite origin. I really like that sort of chocolatey, creamy, nutty texture and uh, taste from it. And this one's awesome. This is might be my new go-to. Cool. Yeah, definitely. That's a Columbia is like a good, like you can get a lot out of it, but it's also like going to please like everyone, you know, like there's nothing offensive about that coffee. Um, it's got great, uh, like you said, chocolate and kind of nutty tones and a little bit of citrus. And yeah, Columbia is definitely a good go-to. And we have, uh, we generally have a Columbia all year round. I also have the, we also have the Rocketeer, which I did not make this time around, but I do buy this for myself. <laughs> so um, I've had it many times and yep. it's definitely one of my favorites and I can see why it's a bestseller because everybody I've recommended it to has bought it and continued buying it as well. Um, cool. Just such great flavor. Yeah. Bianca, do you want to talk a little bit about those cold brews that you've been drinking? Yeah, so I have tried both. Um, the nitro and the other over ice. And I, I love both of them. Uh, I think that the nitro is probably my favorite. Just that I feel it has a more flavor that I liked. I just like kind of stood out to me. Um, I am not quite as good at deciphering what those flavors are. <laughs> so what is the primary difference between the two of them? Um, I'm going to be honest too. I'm, I'm not, I'm not the best when it comes to like deciphering certain flavors from things, uh, especially in cold form. I don't know for hot coffee. I think it's easier for me. We actually did, um, like, so cupping is really like the, um, standard for tasting coffees. Um, and we do cuppings all the time for new coffees that are coming in and to figure out what we're tasting from coffees. And we actually did like a standardized cupping for our cold brews like two or three weeks ago. But off the top of my head, to be honest, I can't remember what we ended up tasting. So I don't want to try to make them up here. Uh, but um, I think the biggest difference is really like the, the mouthfeel and the application between the two of them. Like nitro is really creamy. Uh, it's good out of the can, but I think you really do need the full effect of like pouring it into a glass to be able to to kind of activate the nitrogen that's in there and give it that like creamier uh, body. And then um, the regular cold brew, it's like over ice. It's really refreshing. It's really like, I think one thing um, I enjoy about our cold brew over others is that it's not like there's chocolate in there, but like 
Um, the blend that we use for cold brew isn't just like tons of chocolate, tons of like heavy body. Like you, you can start deciphering like some, some definitely deeper things in there. And, and I think it keeps it a little bit lighter and refreshing and it's good on, in summer or I guess all seasons, but, um, but it's good on its own as well as like with milk or whoever, however you normally drink iced coffee. One thing that we talk a lot about is like food and wine pairings. And obviously coffee is flavor all its own. Do you find that there are things that you pair with your coffee when it comes to like, whether it's like a breakfast staple or something that even if it's like an indulgent sip at the end of the night, are there things that you like to pair your coffee with? Um, yeah, I mean, the things that jump out at me right away are like definitely breakfast type staples or anything that's like, like borderline breakfast slash dessert. Like we teamed up with Union Square Donuts recently and like a donut and coffee is pretty hard to beat in my eyes. Uh, and then like a staple that I kind of go to, like I drink coffee in the morning and people always ask me like how many, you know, how, how much coffee you drink in a day or anything. Like I try to limit it, but Um, one thing that I typically am eating as like a snack, uh, most days is like, I don't know if you've ever had a perfect bar. It's like a refrigerated kind of a, um, uh, not like a cliff similar. It's like a cliff bar, like a bar on the go, but it's, uh, refrigerated. And when you take it out of the refrigerator, it kind of like gets softer. And I don't know, that's, that's my other go-to is like that with coffee. I don't know the the taste between the two is, is, is really good as well. So on your cold brews, I know you right now only have the two varieties. Do you foresee you guys getting into a broader array of those, adding in new flavors, new styles or anything anytime soon? Um, so we actually recently just um, switched over from, we were previously doing um, some cold brews that had um, like milk and chocolate milk and things in them. Um, and we, had our regular cold brew. These were in a these were in a bottle instead of a can. We also had our, our regular bottle or our regular cold brew in a bottle instead of a can. And uh, we recently switched over and kind of discontinued the milk ones because um, really like the shelf life on products that have milk um, is so short that it's very hard to distribute them to grocery stores and have enough time on the shelf for consumers to buy them and then sit in their fridge and so on. Um, as well as that added some steps to how we produce things and in, in having to um, basically there were HPP, which is high pressure pasteurization. Um, and that was another step in like how we're producing things where right now we have a canning line just like ready to go and we can pump product out of there uh, as fast as we need it. Um, and honestly, I just, I think I like the can more than I like a bottle anyways. So we, I guess as of, you know, three months ago, we had, um, four cold brew skews or five cold brew skews. And now we're down to two, but these are really the two best sellers and they have a long shelf life. Um, and we're able to produce them ourselves easier and be able to just like distribute right away. Another thing that I noticed that I think a lot of people aren't familiar with or they just don't really know a lot about is the single serve coffees. And we saw that you had the Rocketeer blend in single serve packets. What is that and how is it different? And do you find that the flavor is like very different between that and when you brew it in the pot? Um, Yeah. So for those that uh, just to paint a picture that it's a, it's a single serve um, 
coffee in a tea bag for lack of a better uh, description. Um, and, you know, we don't do, uh, we don't do K cups or pods. Um, and, you know, obviously we get asked that by people and uh, we don't feel that we can make one that's, you know, up to our, our standards. So we are trying to stay away from that. Uh, but we were trying to look for something that's convenient as a single serve type of an item. Uh, so we tried coffee this way um, in more or less a tea bag, as well as we also tried like instant coffees. And we felt like this uh, had a better cup than the instant coffee. Um, so yeah, so basically you just brew it like tea, you have hot water, you put it in a cup, um, you let it steep, and then you take it out. And I think it lends itself to be most like a French press because it is like a full immersion brew. Um, meaning if you're thinking about how you brew a French press, coffee is sitting in the water for like a longer period of time uh, versus like if you're brewing coffee on a home drip machine, water basically um, goes through the brew basket and then into the pot down below. So there's less contact between the um, coffee and water. Uh, so since it's like a French press, it kind of has more, you know, a, a more of a body, more mouthfeel, uh, kind of deeper chocolatey um, flavors. Um, and yeah, we have Rocketeer blend that we roast. Um, and it's the same coffee that you'd get, you know, in a bag of Rocketeer that's in those single serve packs. So circling back to the uh, more of the manual methods, for someone that wants to go from drip into more of a manual method, what would you say is going to be the next step? Um, my, my, in terms of my preference, I would say to go with a, with a V60 or a Chemex. Um, they're both reasonably similar, uh, Chemex, you can usually, Chemex, you can brew more coffee at one time. So like if you are, you know, if you're married or something, you have to brew for two in the morning or something, a Chemex is the way to go versus a V60 is basically one cup at a time. Um, both are reasonably inexpensive, uh, talking like 30 to $40. Um, and you have to get the right filter for them. Um, but we, I, I think I, I think we realized, um, that there is like a little bit of a disconnect between like, or, or a need for people that, you know, are brewing great coffee on a drip brewer and want to kind of like dip their toes in the water with, starting some manual brewing methods, but like not really sure what to do or where to go first. Um, so we actually recently started um, releasing some articles on our website. Uh, each time we come out with a new limited release coffee, we give some recipes for how to brew that coffee on manual brewing methods. Uh, and I write the directions myself and I try to be super like, okay, if I had no idea what this tool does and I'm starting from absolute scratch. These are like the step-by-step -step of like how I'm going from coffee in a bag, water coming out of the faucet to like a great cup of coffee. Uh, so if you're looking to try to like bridge the gap, um, we usually have recipes for like V60, Chemex or an AeroPress, uh, which is also a pretty inexpensive uh, manual brewing method. Um, so yeah, if you're looking to try to dive into that world a little bit, um, you can go to our website, atomicroastery.com and it's in the blog section. Great, and you mentioned the website, but where can everybody find you guys on social? Uh, 
it is atomic coffee roasters and there is one c between atomic and coffee <laughs> there's an atomic in new zealand that they get mixed up for us and we get mixed up from them from time to time oh okay yep, yep. Well, we are very excited to have you on as our very first roaster. Yes. Uh, we've been enjoying the coffees. Is there anything that you want to share before we officially close out the podcast? No, I mean, I want to thank you for reaching out. Um, it's definitely cool to, to talk. And I've been listening to some of the podcasts that you guys have already put out. Um, I was listening to one of, the, one of the ones about wine on the way to work this morning. Uh, so I'm definitely going to try to uh, delve deeper in, into those to learn more about um, you know, the other companies that you guys are featuring on here. Um, but yeah, just appreciative of the opportunity. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on and spending the time with us. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Be sure to follow us on social at Uncorked Corner and on the blog at uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a comment, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks for listening.